Welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. This is Ja. Hey, what's up, boys? You know it's Dugo over here. We're going to hit you with some more information for your head tops. More information for your head tops. Yo, we got a great podcast lined up for you guys today. We're going to talk about week 10. We're going to get right into the shits. Uh, we got a myriad of things to talk about. We're going to go ahead and dive into some of the buys that are happening this week. We're going to talk about my boy Miko Hardman. We got a few things to also cover as far as Josh Allen's UCL injury, uh, what that could mean for some of those pass catchers out in Buffalo, and we'll talk about a few other things such as Joe Mixon's big game, Tyreek Hill being the wide receiver one through the first nine weeks of the season, and uh, you know, so much more. So let's get into it, and uh, Dugo, let's get right to the shits, the thing that everyone is on Twitter freaking out about, waiting for updates about. Right. Josh Allen has a UCL injury. Uh, we don't know how serious this is. As a reminder, guys, we record this thing on Tuesday nights. So we try to stay as up-to-date to the minute as we can to provide you guys with accurate information. But your head tops. But we only have so much information as of Tuesday, you know, 7 p.m. Uh, it looks like that thing is probably going to be lingering throughout the season. Uh, Dugo, how do you think this is going to affect those Buffalo Bills pass catchers if this is a thing? Yeah, man. So I think right now, uh, when I think about Josh Allen, I mean, when you look at his stats, he's like 6'5", 240. I, I say all that to say, I mean, the guy is just a huge human, and I think that he's going to be able to, um, uh, you know, make his way through this injury. So I think, it's like you said, it's probably going to linger around, and especially when you're throwing the ball like that. Typically, quarterbacks don't really have much of a problem with this injury. I think Matt Stafford actually had this injury at the beginning of the year or, like, the offseason. So, I think that when we're thinking about that, I mean, Matt Stafford, has he seen a drop-off? Yes. But, I mean, there's also been a lot of other things that's happened with that offense. Say all that to say, usually we see this, like, more with, like, MLB pitchers and stuff, and usually it's a a lot longer-lasting injury. But it sounds like right now it's just one of those sprains, so I think he's going to be able to definitely play through everything. On top of that, uh, when we're talking about the receivers, you know, I think Stefan Diggs, I think he's going to be in the clear. I don't really see much production dropping through him because, I mean, the guy can do all sorts of routes. Uh, when we're talking about receivers who could see some reduction, though, kind of like what we were talking about uh, before this, I mean, I think Gabe Davis could see a, uh, a slight drop-off in production. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only have we kind of seen it a little bit like on and off already this year with Gabe Davis, but I think, you know, I feel like he's more of the beneficiary of those like deep balls. You know, like when you try to take the top off of a defense, that's usually Gabe Davis. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, when you're putting all that torque on that elbow like that, it just seems like they're not going to do that as often. Uh, another thing that you got to you got to kind of consider as well, though, is the defense knows that he's hurt, and so they might not be playing the deep ball as much. And so you could get, you know, you might be getting lucky one game, and you could see Gabe Davis get a couple of those if they don't key on it, you know? Yeah. It's one of those things to where he becomes even more of a boomer bust option than he already is. Definitely. I agree with that. So, like, Gabe Davis gets a lot of his production from those deep balls, as Dugo says. Uh, Gabe Davis is second in the league in terms of yards per target. So that's a statistic that measures, you know, how far is the ball traveling before it gets to you. Right. When you're second in the league, that means that you're getting a lot of deep passes. You're being targeted a lot on deep routes. Yep. I think that Stephon Diggs, obviously, is a receiver who's going to be hurt by this a little bit just because that's his quarterback. Any quarterback injury is a bad injury for wide receivers. Right. But Gabe Davis is a guy who, you know, we said at the beginning of the season – 
If you guys follow us on YouTube, you probably saw the Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis Outlook uh, compilation that we made. Go check that out. You know, Fantasy Football with Gumbo on YouTube. Yep. But Gabe Davis is a guy to where he's a boomer bust option. He's not going to see a high volume of passes. But if this is an injury in which, you know, a UCL injury is essentially like a tear within the inside of your elbow. Uh, it comes from, as Dugo says, torque, overarm use. Man, I got to say that Isaiah McKenzie, whoever's playing that slot, Jamison Crowder's coming off of uh, the IR somewhat soon. That slot receiver sees probably a little bit more volume moving forward. And that's the thing with the Bills. You have Khalil Shakir, you have Isaiah McKenzie, and you have Jamison Crowder. Right. So well, I mean, Gabe Davis is a playmaker, though. So, I mean, I think that uh, Sean McDermott, he, he's smart enough to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers. So, I think that... Yeah, we're talking a lot of shit about Gabe Davis right now, but I think that at some point when you start keying on Stephon Diggs as much as people are already doing and all that stuff, I think that Gabe Davis is going to get some production. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying bench him right now or anything. I think you got to ride with him just because, I mean, he is on the bills and, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to be getting those long passes regardless. It just might not be the volume that you're used to, but, mm-hmm. I mean, he could be getting some of those, you know, touch passes. He could be doing stuff like that. I mean... Stuff that we haven't seen quite yet because, you know, he hasn't been limited before. Uh, Josh Allen, that being. Yeah. Gabe is, you know, wide receiver 37 through the first nine weeks. I think he falls somewhere into the 40s. I'm not saying that a big game isn't possible. Right. But in terms of reliability, this is probably a time in which if I have Gabe Davis, I'm considering selling high. That's fair. I'm considering selling high and, uh, you know, seeing what I can get for him. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But... Talking about a guy who catches explosive passes, passes down the field, who can go out there and make a play. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill's former running mate, and Tyreek Hill's a guy we'll get into a little bit later. But my fucking boy, Miko Hartman, is going insane these last few weeks. Miko Hartman, over his last two consecutive starts, has two top 10 wide receiver finishes to go. Yeah, man, I think he's went double digits in the last four games he's played in as well. So, I mean, he's definitely becoming an asset for your fantasy uh, players out there. And I never thought I'd see the day where I would say something like that. I mean, I did pick him up a couple weeks ago, and he has been pretty productive, I won't lie. But, I mean, it's one of those things to where, you know, it's 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 an explosive offense, and you got to have the guys who are going to be explosive out there. It yep. seems like Patty has some sort of relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest thing, like, I don't know. The biggest thing that we've seen this season is obviously he didn't really score much for touchdowns uh, the last couple of years. So this year, I mean, he's had, what, like five touchdowns the last, like, two Six. games damn near? Or the last two games he's had four. Yeah, so, like, it's just pretty crazy, like, how he's actually becoming productive with that stuff. Like, it's it's blowing my mind, but, hey, I'm happy for the guy because it looks like he's probably going to be in the running for a second contract. Listen, what I told you about Miko Hartman coming into the season, guys, was that he was one of the most tenured, one of the most tenured wide receivers, you know, in that room. He was familiar with Andy Reid. He was drafted in 2019 to go ahead and kind of absorb that Tyreek Hill, that Tyreek Hill role, right? Like he was supposed to be a playmaker. He plays in the slot. Everyone kind of got pretty excited about Kadarius Tony, who I think could still be a weapon moving forward. But Miko Hardman is so damn good to where I don't see them willingly phasing him out. If there's anyone who I think sees less work with the arrival of Kadarius Tony, man, MVS ain't that great in my opinion. He's just a guy. 
Sky Moore, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but the two receivers who have the most impact on a week-to-week basis are Juju Smith-Schuster and Miko Hardman. No smart, sensible coach is going to go ahead and phase out his two best weapons at the receiver position just because. Right? Like, that's kind of imaginative thinking. That's something that a fantasy football player who has a previous bias to Miko Hardman because of how often he's been burnt would say. NFL coaches are going to keep this guy involved. He's a beast. He's versatile. As we move throughout the season and as this team tries to make a Super Bowl run, they're going to get their best players on the field. And, uh, you know, he's a guy I like. He's a guy I love, actually. I fuck with Miko Hardman um, heavy, you know, on the football front. And I think that he's a guy who's currently, you know, ranked as a wide receiver four-ish. He's a borderline wide receiver three. I think he's ranked as, like, wide receiver 32-ish uh, throughout the season. But, um, you know, I think his future's bright. I think he lingers around where he is. He's a great flex play. Could be a wide receiver three for you any week. Um, but speaking of Miko Hardman, I want to talk about his former teammate, Tyreek Hill. Oh. Down in Miami. Yeah, dude. Tyreek Hill's been going off this year like i mean obviously he was super productive in kc and everything but i mean especially with jalen waddle being down there and everything like that who would have expected that tyree kill would end up being wide receiver one with tua with tua as quarterback bro he beastie he's going crazy this year he's wide receiver one as we said my man over the course of the season has somewhere around you know north of 180 points through fantasy right so you know that's over 20 points a game that he's averaging. Yeah, man. I mean, he's having a historic season as far as, like, just, like, receiving yards-wise. He's already surpassed, uh, I think it was Isaac Bruce and Calvin Johnson for the fastest to get to 1,000 yards in a season. He's on pace to hit 2,000. Yeah, dude, he definitely is. And, I mean, it's just crazy uh, that he's, like, the pace that he's on right now, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be slowing down anytime soon, especially if they want to continue the race that they have with the East. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to get Tyreek involved. Obviously, if you have Jalen Waddle, you haven't really seen much down production from him. Uh, he's definitely been as productive as possible, if not as productive as last year mm-hmm. when he didn't have all the when he didn't have uh, Tyreek Hill. So, I mean, I definitely think that this is a, a dynamic duo. I think both these wide receivers. So, I think Jalen Waddle could definitely end up being like a top ten wide receiver. I think myself, and he's, he's still solid. Yeah, and I think, obviously, Tyreek, I think the pace that he's going on, he has to end up as wide receiver one, at least in my opinion, the way it's going right now. I know it sounds weird, and Tyreek Hill was one of those guys that we all kind of faded coming into the year because of his you know downgrade at quarterback with Tua compared to Patrick Mahomes. Alleged downgrade. Alleged downgrade. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is still, I'm, I'm still taking him any day over Tua. But for reference, y'all, uh, what Tyreek Hill is doing right now is similar to what Cooper Cup did last year listen last year cooper cup had 1947 yards with the rams with the arrival of matthew stafford we looked at cooper cup in the offseason and we all just said yo this is the best wide receiver in the nfl we give him that that respect immediately yep tyree kill is on pace to break what cooper cup did and i think that this is important because in modern day uh nfl when it comes to those kind of records, Cooper Cup is the first guy to, uh, you know, rank as high as he did with uh, season-long yardage and a 17-game season. We're seeing Tyreek Hill start to approach that number, and he could potentially be the first receiver ever to crack 2,000. I think Tyreek Hill is the kind of guy who wants to hit that number. He wants Definitely. to hit that record. And that's going to be a goal of not only the coaching staff, not only Mike McDaniels and Tua, 
but Tyreek's going to be like, yo, give me the fucking ball. <laughs> like, I was talking all this shit in the offseason. Let me be right about this, man. Mm-hmm. So Tyreek Hill's a guy who went crazy. Your boy Derrick Henry is going crazy. Yeah, dude, I'm so, like, to this day, I, I'm i just so happy that I, so if you guys aren't listening on, I was able to uh, have the 1-1 in our draft in a 14-man league this year, and I did have the balls to take Derrick Henry with that 1-1. Over Jonathan Taylor. And it, it, it hasn't bit me in the ass yet. I think that when we look at stuff, I mean, he's averaging just a little bit more than what he was last year as far as yards per carry. And that was also with that Liz Frank injury. And he's at nine touchdowns already this year through, what, ten games, if that. Mm-hmm. I think that this guy – or eight games, mind you. I'm sorry. So I think that right now – I don't know, man. Like, I'm so high on Derrick Henry. I don't think that he's going to be in sell mode in the near future. I think that if you have him, I mean, it's just literally one of those things where it's just a lock and play. Like, he's getting a little less, uh, I think, attempts right now. So I think that going forward, he might be able to get a little bit more longevity. I mean, he has Darnell or uh, Dontrell Hilliard. He has uh, Hassan Haskins, who's been stepping in, taking a couple rushes off of him, which. Sure, if you're an owner, you, you're not liking that because it's taking yards away. Mm-hmm. But grand scheme of things, dude, it's definitely, I think, helping him longevity-wise, like I said. And I think that the one thing that he's been lacking this year compared to years before, I think, is probably targets. He might be seeing a couple more targets per game, but it just doesn't seem like he's getting as much like yardage from it. Listen. Derrick Henry has probably one of the easiest strength of schedules for running backs moving forward. With the playoffs, you know, starting in week 15, he has a matchup lined up with the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay. Who are one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL. Okay. In week 16, he has the Houston Texans. Again. Division rival. Last time he played Houston, he dropped 39 points. And had two touchdowns with 219 yards. And this is going to be in Tennessee, in the snow probably. What do you think the Titans are going to do? Fighting for playoff seating. Yo, they're going to be running the fuck out of the ball. and I'm so excited for this, man. This is either going to be a young Malik Willis or it's going to be an injury-hampered you know, Ryan Tannehill. And the best solution they got right now is running the fucking ball. Yo, week 15, the Chargers, week 16, uh, Houston, and week 17, it's the Dallas Cowboys. That's the Shiva. That's the championship. That's the big game if you make it there. I know Dallas is supposed to have more of a stiffer, you know, uh, you know, run defense. Sure. But we hope that at that point, Traylon Burks can come back. He can show you a few sparks. They can get this pass game a little bit better than what it's been the last few weeks. I ain't going to lie, Malik Willis ain't been great. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's shown like a couple flashes throughout the last couple games. I mean, he had one really nice pass that I saw uh, this this past week against the Chiefs that I was really impressed with. But other than that, yeah, he's definitely been pretty mediocre. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to get off the Titans quite yet. I'm actually – so obviously their wide receivers have been struggling hard the last few weeks, if not the whole season. Terrible. So my question for you, Ja, is – do you think that Traylon Burks is going to be startable in your lineup once he gets healthy, or are you kind of just passing on all those Titans receivers right now? If there's a Titans receiver, man, that's tough, actually. Because I – so, to get my shit off, I think that 
he's probably going to be utilized a little bit more just because he's able to do so many different things. Like he's able to run the ball a little bit if they want to do some of those jet sweeps or touch passes. I think he's fast enough to get around the edge compared to when you look at uh, Akeem Westbrook or uh, Robert Woods. Obviously, Robert Woods is fast, but I don't know if he's really going to be breaking a lot of tackles yeah. like that. So I think that Traylon Burks definitely could be an option going down the stretch if you guys need a stream of wide receiver who might be dropped right now or something like that. If you want to pick him up and throw him on your IR for once he gets healthy, I think Traylon Burks could be a guy for you down the stretch. I think he has to be, and I think that with this offense that likes to run the ball heavy, I think that you can go ahead and facilitate uh, some jet sweeps and things like that for Traylon Burks to get involved just to – kind of get the momentum of his career going. Yeah, and obviously, like we are talking about before, just taking a little bit off of Derrick Henry just so mm-hmm. you're, you're uh, keeping his longevity because you don't want an injury like that, what happened to him last year, to happen again. Exactly. And as a football coach, I mean, you start playing these teams in colder weather in the months of late November, December, January, and you got a guy like Traylon Burks. I mean, why not feed him the fucking ball? I think that he's a guy who is probably on your waivers right now as we speak. We're going to get into our streams of the week, actually, in a few minutes. But Traylon Burks is a guy to where if I'm investing into any receiver on this offense, when he's healthy, I have to say Traylon Burks is my 1A. Okay. Robert Woods is probably my second option. Yeah. And then another guy I like a lot, but... I haven't seen too much from is Kyle Phillips just because of Kyle Phillips ability to route run uh, you know just kind of get open and uh, you know reliably catch the ball right and that's all based off of what he did in college but I mean Kyle Phillips is a guy that I think is a little bit underrated more of a stash in dynasty but if I'm picking up a Titans receiver Traylon Burks is my 1A Woods I guess is my 1B right I don't want any of these tight ends but if I had to pick one um Shit, I, uh, I'd probably be better off not picking either because any of them could get you done on any week, but I guess Austin Hooper. Yeah, man, I mean, you're not wrong with that. I mean, obviously, Austin Hooper's been doing well. There's also that one tight end that I forgot his name. I think it's like Okonkwu or something. He's actually been having a pretty decent season so far as well, and I mean, he had that one really big catch to start the game for the Titans this past week. Uh, so I think he could definitely be a streaming option if you do need – a tight end, I think it might be a little bit of a hell Mary to pick him up. Yeah. But I think if you're looking down the stretch, if you're in a dynasty league, I think Okonkwu definitely could be that guy for you. Yo, while we're actually talking about players that folks should be picking up, I want to transition into more of that. Okay. Yo, guys, I want to talk to you about the Ravens. Oh. So, as I said earlier, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. The Monday night football game was the Ravens and the Saints. Y'all. If you guys watched that game, uh, you saw that the Ravens didn't... I guess they don't have a ton of wide receivers that you really want to invest too much capital in, that you loved. Devin DuVernay was supposed to kind of be that guy. Yeah, he was supposed to be the new wide receiver one going forward. And you know, obviously he didn't really do much, which kind of sucked. It's concerning, too, because there was no Marshawn Lattimore last week. So there's no elite you know, uh, DB1 that's covering him or shadowing him all game. Right. My man had one catch for five yards and just didn't do anything else. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, if we were looking at options on the Ravens, I think obviously besides Mark Andrews, besides, you know, Lamar Jackson – I think my second option has to be Isaiah Likely. Yeah, no, no doubt. That's that's who I'm talking about. And if you want to got him on waivers, you're a lucky fucking person. Yeah, man. I so right now in redraft leagues, he's owned in 67 percent of leagues and uh, sleepers. So if you're on sleeper, I mean, if you're 
if your league doesn't have him on one of their rosters, go grab him because he has been popping off the last couple of weeks. He's been getting some touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yo, I, I like this guy a lot, and I really liked him to start the year. I just didn't know if they're going to be utilizing him like a fucking wide receiver already. So it looks like they have a mix of a bunch of, I don't want to call them random, uh, but kind of flyer wide receivers. They have Devin DuVernay, uh, Demarcus Robinson, James Proche, Proche, and they have Deshaun Jackson, who started to kind of get some run uh, on Monday night. I guess of these receivers, if you had to invest in one for rest of season, you know, with Rashad Bateman being out, is DuVernay just the guy, or would you take a shot on someone else like a James Proche, like a Deshaun Jackson? Uh, I guess what would you do at the receiver position for the Ravens? Well, I would definitely go with DuVernay. I mean, if we looked at what he was doing at the beginning of the season, like, DuVernay was popping off. Like, that first game, mm-hmm. I think he had two touchdowns or something. Mm-hmm. So I think that he definitely has the ability to be the wide receiver on that team and a useful one being. so. And, I mean, obviously, if you're talking wide receivers, it's DuVernay. But like I said, yeah, man, I, I, think, I think if you're taking a flyer on someone, it has to be Isaiah Likely. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. And I like Isaiah Likely a lot in uh, Dynasty, especially for this year. Definitely. I think, and years going forward, too, because, I mean, Mark Andrews is only going to be getting older. Lamar Jackson's going to be continuing his relationship with Isaiah Likely. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing, too. I think tight end is such a bad position in fantasy. There's just not a lot of good tight ends. Yeah, man, I mean, there's a fantasy. couple of them. I mean, there's definitely a couple of them. If you can get lucky... There's definitely some useful tight ends out there, and you might be able to get one who could pop off on a certain week. But, yeah, mm-hmm. if you're trying to get one secure tight end, it's super hard to do so. But Isaiah Likely, I mean, like you said in Dynasty, he might be the one going forward for sure. I mean, at least one of them from think, this draft class. I think after next year, it's his it's his room. Yeah, I think I, Mark Andrews has another year with the Ravens. Uh, but after that, and I, I even think next year, likely is probably going to be in a lot of two tight end sets. Sure. That's just the kind of offense the Ravens run, and I think he still has usage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they like to run the ball. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, with those two tight end sets, Isaiah Likely is going to be out there. I really like him, man. I really do. I want to talk about Justin Fields. Oh. Who had an amazing game, speaking of offenses with, you know, running quarterbacks. Yeah. My man went crazy. He had 47 points, over 150 fucking rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, the guy put up the record for the most rushing yards in a, in a single game by a quarterback. He beat Mike Vick's record for a regular season. I think that's probably going to continue. I it mean, works. I don't know if the yardage is going to continue. Maybe not 178 yards every game, yeah. But I think he definitely could be utilizing that talent that he has. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Eberflus sees that he wants to be utilizing it. And, yeah, some of those runs are off schedule and stuff. But, I mean, if you're able to pop off like that, I mean, it's just another dynamic that you have to think about for a defense. So, you never know if maybe the passing game could possibly open up a little bit more for him as well. But, yo, Justin Fields is kind of popping off. Yeah, he's going crazy. He finished as the QB1 last week in fantasy. Uh, the two weeks before that, he finished as QB5 against the New England Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys defenses, which historically have been good defenses. Yep. And even the week before that against the Commanders, he was QB8. So he hasn't finished lesser than QB10 in the last month. Yep. He just added Chase Claypool. This was his first week with Chase Claypool. He's another weapon. He's another guy that defenses now have to shadow. They have to watch for. They have to cover. Next week, Claypool is going to know the playbook even better. And uh, moving forward, man, I, this offense is probably going to be ran through Justin Fields' uh, legs. 
And for fantasy, I mean, that's what you want. He's a top 10 QB for me. Lock it in, set it and forget it. If you picked him up on waivers, you could probably sell whatever quarterback you had previously for a receiver, a tight end, a running back, someone who can serve a different positional and, uh, you know, kind of give you that uh, that extra value where you need it with the trade deadline and fantasy, especially coming up soon. Yeah, man, I definitely agree with that, I think. So my biggest thing as far as like a start and not hold or start and obviously just keep is he's going to have some tougher matchups, I think. But obviously he's got to be able to I think he's going to get to that point to where he is. Mm-hmm. That and I'm not sure if he's already hit his bye week or not, so you want to be on the lookout for that as well. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, dude, he's definitely going to be one of those quarterbacks going forward where you know people are going to be hyped about. He's probably going to be the Jalen Hurts next year, damn near, where people are like, "Hey, like this guy could be QB one or whatever." Like he definitely he, could have the ability to do so. Last thing about Justin Fields is that he's averaging 102 rush yards. Now, obviously, that's being kind of supplemented by that big 178 rush yard game that he had last week. Uh, But even if you go before that, if you go two to three weeks prior, my man is looking at somewhere roughly around 70 rush yards a game on average. Yeah. He had 88, you know, week six, 82, week seven, 60, week eight. Yeah, man. With that floor, and if he gets his rushing touchdown because the Bears can't score any way else, you're looking at roughly around 13 to 14 points a game just on the ground. All he has to do is throw for like 150 yards and another touchdown for him to break that 20-point barrier and, you know, be that great elite quarterback for fantasy. Another guy who went absolutely nuts was Joe Mixon. Dude, five touchdowns in a game is unreal. Hella rushing yards. He was finally efficient on the ground. They gave him the opportunity. He's going into a bye week. There's no Jamar Chase for another couple of weeks. Man, Joe Mixon's super interesting because I don't know if you sell high on him right now or if you just hold and hope that he's that guy this year to kind of carry you through. Yeah, I I don't think he's really going to be in much of a sell situation just because, I mean, when you drafted Joe Mixon this year, you drafted him in the first or second round. Guaranteed. So if you're trying to sell him, who exactly are you selling him for other than maybe like a CMC right now who's on uh, San Francisco? But, bro, like, I think Joe Mixon – you drafted him so high, you shouldn't sell him. You got to keep him. I, obviously, he's not going to keep putting up five touchdowns every game. Hell no. But he has been productive throughout the year. So there's no thought in my mind about selling this guy right now. The thing that stands out the most to me was just his efficiency last week. That's the one thing that, as a Joe Mixon owner, has been really frustrating. That's fair. Uh, you know, last week, my man averaged 6.95 yards per carry. He obviously got a lot of work on the ground. He had 58 yards receiving. And that's the bright spot is the fact that he's he's always gotten his touches, but he hasn't been efficient with them. Now he's starting to kind of, you know, gravitate in the right direction. And I like that. And as as much as, uh, you know, a lot of people might tell you to sell, I actually think he's a hold candidate just because he's going to reliably, you know, get you those RB1 numbers. He has a safe floor. But we saw last week that his ceiling is something that, you know, it could be really nice. He yeah, it's unprecedented. Lots of touches. All right. So, uh, this week we have the Ravens, we have the Patriots, Jets, and Bengals on by. We want to talk about a couple guys that you might be able to stream this week. When you talk about the Ravens, when you talk about the Patriots, the Jets, and the Bengals, uh, you kind of have a mix of positions that are kind of... You know, going to be needy. Uh, running back is one. Wide receiver is one. If you're looking for a wide receiver, 
I like Marvin Jones as a stream this week. Okay. He's only owned in, you know, less than 20% of leagues, so sure. he's available in 80% of leagues. He has a matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Listen, when I look at this matchup, I think that this could potentially be a shootout. I think that this could be a high-scoring game. And give me a guy who's going to start on the end of the team that I think is going to be losing. I like that. I like Marvin Jones. I think he's good for maybe around 50 to 60-ish yards, a few catches, three to four catches. And uh, if he gets that touchdown, that really puts him over the top. But I think he has a relatively safe floor as a stream this week of around, if you play in, uh, let's say, half-point PPR, seven, eight, nine points. Yeah, man. I think right now if I'm looking at streamers that I need for, like, a running back situation, it might be a little bit of a force, but I'm still high on kind of uh, Gainwell. I really do think that he could have a big week against the Commanders, especially with, you know, Miles Sanders is doing really good this year. Mm-hmm. But obviously, when you start getting to the depths of the season, you want to start switching those running backs out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Kind of Gainwell definitely could get some goal line carries, if not a couple of receptions. And I think that he could push your team over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're talking about wide receivers, it's hard for me to say right now, dude, but I'm I'm still high on the Packers wide receivers. So, I mean, if you could pick up like a Sammy Watkins, okay. that might be it. Okay. Otherwise, I think the other uh, wide receiver right now who could be on the waivers, Samari Torre. That's a good one. Uh, I think that the relationship that him and Rodgers have started to have the last couple of weeks could come to a fruition this next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did have a touchdown against the Bills and going against the Cowboys this week. Uh, obviously, they have a pretty good secondary, but I think that Rodgers could have his way, and mm-hmm. I think that Samare Torre could be that guy. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, with Diggs probably gonna, who's probably going to shadow Lazard. Lazard has the potential because it's you know Trayvon Diggs to get that big catch right. down the field, but I think Samare uh, Torre is one of those guys to where the Packers don't have anything to lose. He's shown good chemistry. Romeo Dobbs is going to be out. Samari Torre is kind of his direct replacement almost. Damn near. I mean, obviously Christian Watson's going to be playing this week, which is going to be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if you need to stream someone, he might be able to get you like a jet stream or a jet sweep touchdown maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know how much receiving work he's actually going to be getting. Mm-hmm. Seems like he's been kind of limited all year, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, though, dude, I, I like Samari Torre this week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we keep saying that, obviously, these teams have to score points, and the Packers have been struggling to do that this year. Uh, but I think Samari Torre against the Cowboys seems like a, a decent uh, a decent prediction right now. Okay. And last but not least, the segment y'all been waiting for, uh, starts of the week. Hey! So, once again, y'all, we define these starts of the week as players who can get you at least 15 points or more. So, last week, our starts of the week were Michael Carter and Miles Sanders. Uh, They both cleared those numbers if you play in, you know, half PPR, full PPR. Uh, And we want to go ahead and give you a couple of guys that we think that you should obviously have in your lineups. But if you're playing against them, I mean, keep an eye out for them, right? Yeah, of course. So, Dugo, you want to go with your start of the week? Yeah, dude. So, I actually got a couple this week. And, uh, spoiler, they're both rookies. So, first one, I have Gregory Dolchich. Oh. Going against the tech or <clears throat> going against the Titans this week. Uh, last week when he watched what uh, Kansas City Chiefs were able to do against the Titans, they obviously Kelsey's their primary weapon. Yeah. But it seems like the tight end. I mean, it seems like they had a little bit of uh, trouble guarding him, 
And so I think that going into this week, Greg Dolchich, especially him being one of Russell Wilson's top targets, I think could have a really big week this week. So I got Greg Dolchich on that. And then I also have my boy George Pickens. Pickens. Against the New Orleans Saints. So obviously uh, they had just traded Chase Claypool. They haven't played a game without him yet. Mm -hmm. And so George Pickens is going to be that number two regardless now. And I just kind of like what you were saying about Marshawn Lattimore not necessarily playing. Hmm. If he is playing, he's probably going to be shadowing uh, Deontay Johnson. And so I think that he has the opportunity to get out there, ball out Mm -hmm. a bit. Nice. Uh, I like that. That, I think Greg Dolchich getting 15 is going to be interesting because if he hits, that's a big hit. Hey, I just think that there's going to be some yardage. There's going to probably be a tutty this week. I, I just like Greg Dolchich. I like Tyler Lockett this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, so we got a game against, you know, Tampa. There's probably going to be one of those evening games. I think that Tampa is one of those run the ball, try to play good defense type of teams led by, you know, Todd Bowles. And I think that they play closer to the line of scrimmage. I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to try to blitz to stop Kenneth Walker, who seems to be the focal point of this offense the last few weeks. Damn near. And if that is the case, and let's say uh, Jamel Dean is shadowing, you know, DK Metcalf, I think Tyler Lockett could potentially uh, pop a couple. I think that he can beat man coverage better than anyone else on the team. I think he can get deep. He can catch a, you know, fat catch here and there. And I think that he's pretty solid this week. So I got him projected for around five to six catches. I think he catches a bomb. I could see my guy getting north of 85, 90 yards. Okay. I think he's safe for a tutty. And obviously, uh, we do these projections for, you know, half or full point PPR. But I think with all those numbers combined, my man's going to see over 15. Seems like a pretty safe target for me this week. Yeah, man, I like that as well. Um, it's going to be interesting with them for sure. I mean, it's definitely been <clears> – <throat> Tyler Lockett's definitely been that guy to where they need to move the change through the air. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to be that guy. So I really like that as far as, you know, just a possession receiver. And then, like mm-hmm. you said, the touchdown aspect as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what happens, man. Obviously, Tyler Lockett has had his up weeks and down weeks. He had that one really bad week where he dropped, like, three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So, as long as he just doesn't have one of those weeks again, which it didn't look like he had last week, I think that this guy could definitely be in for a huge week this week as well. I like it, baby. Thank you all for tuning in for another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. This is Ja. Hey, it's Dugo. Make sure you guys hit that follow button. Follow us on YouTube at Fantasy Football with Gumbo. And we'll tap in with you guys next week. Make sure you tap in with us every Thursday. Peace. Sex in the bank, telling her open the safe.